Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Hey guys, I am here with another special guest, and I'm very happy that she is on the podcast today. Her name is Natalia, and she is another brave client who took a leap of faith and trusted me. (laughs) Um, But anyway, she's going to be sharing her story with us. We're going to talk about what recovery was like with her and the process, and she is actually... um, She's just being really brave. So I just want you guys to recognize that. Like all my clients, everyone that comes on here, always so impressed by the fact that they're able to share her story. Sorry. So Natalia, hello. Thank you for being on the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Natalia has been gracious enough to share her name on here. So I don't have to, um, (laughs) and I don't mind that the client that was on here, I'm perfectly fine with people being anonymous, but it's um, I didn't know, I didn't plan ahead for that one of what to call her instead. So I just kept calling her so-and-so. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Natalia, can you just share with us, I have a lot of questions for you, but um, could you share a little bit about what your life was like before coaching me in terms of like bulimia? What's your journey there? Mm-hmm. I always ask people about their story. Yeah. So my journey with bulimia started when I was around, I'd say, 12 when I got the idea of diet and how bodies could and in my head should look. And then bulimia started when I was 14. So before coaching with you, I was on and off with it. Yeah, until basically um, like last year. Um, And I got to know myself a lot through bulimia because I wanted to always help myself. I was like, I'm an intelligent person. I can think. I am smart enough, so I should be able to help myself. So I knew a lot of the things I could be doing, should be doing, and what were the core issues. I knew it wasn't the food at the end, even though for the first few years, I blamed the food. Um, It was not the food. It was more the emotions and what was going on in my life. Um, So I knew all of this, but despite knowing the reasons behind I just couldn't stop myself um I couldn't help myself there were good weeks there were bad weeks I even had a month where nothing happened um but because I never let's say broke up with bulimia never said this this is it I'm recovering I always stuck uh, I was always stuck with the identity of I'm bulimic and yeah, this is it. And I knew I'm kind of on autopilot, um, but I just couldn't stop it. And honestly, I, for many, for most parts, I didn't even want to stop it because it was my safety place, mm-hmm. even though it seems ridiculous because it's, I was hurting myself, but it was my safety, like safety place I could go to wherever I wanted to be numb or I wanted to escape or when I felt stressed said or any of the other emotions and triggers that I had in my life yeah yeah it's a hard thing to admit because when you say like sometimes I didn't want it to go away that seems like you're blaming the person that it's gonna like no there's there's a part of bulimia that is likable and enjoyable especially when you're Mm -hmm. in it so I'm glad that you brought you up 
but you brought that up. But um, what was kind of like your lowest point with bulimia? What what made you say like, hey, I want to get help? Um, it was the depression that I felt. I didn't feel a constant depression. It was more like up and down. But when it was down, I was really, really down. I was down. I was really depressed. I even had suicidal thoughts, even though I knew I would never act on them because um, even me being um, involved with yoga, um, I believe that we are here to, let's say, solve something um, within ourselves, be it something from our family that, um, or break a habit in our family or something like that. So I believe that suicide is not the answer because it will come up in your family or it will come back in um, another uh, life, I'd say, uh, but being less spiritual now. So uh, the worst the worst part was, yeah, the suicidal thoughts, the depression and just not living my life. Just I knew what I, how I wanted to feel, how I was before as a child. Um, so that was just sad to me and yeah I knew that my potential um, is high uh, both to live for my career and everything so yeah mm-hmm. yeah it. yeah it's the depression can be very real and uh, with with bulimia it just it I was just talking with another person who's going to be on the show soon and he described it as like you can do all these things in your life mm-hmm. for sure but when you have bulimia, it, you're totally capable of doing these things, but it's kind of like you're walking around with this ball and chain tied to your leg. And you're like, yeah. I'm here, guys. And then this thing's just dragging along with you. And yeah, like you said, it, it kind of keeps you from your life or it keeps you at a distance at the very least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's it, it makes you like the best spy in the world, I would say, or something <laughs> like that. Because you become so secretive and you come up with ways to make it happen even in situations where you think it wouldn't be possible so like we as people we are very let's say smart and sneaky when we want to and as you say it's it's like this thing you carry around with yourself like a bad eggs you don't ever want to see but when a notification of message comes up you're you're still there you're mm-hmm. still there with your one luck yeah yeah you're like I know he's toxic but we just check the message real quick the door is still slightly open (laughs) (laughs) it's like well and it's kind of like well I don't have anything better to do so I I guess I'll check the message so yeah I think that's a perfect example and I use that a lot my coaching like you went back to your Mm -hmm. ex you know bulimia is just like this nasty ex-boyfriend or girlfriend Mm -hmm. whatever um so with that being said like you've had this long journey with bulimia keeping you from your life and you're a very spiritual meditative person which is Mm interesting interesting I'm finding a lot of people that are heavily involved in that life but they still have bulimia so I'd just like to interject right here and be like for those of you that think you're so weird because you have bulimia there's a (laughs) lot of professionals out there that are struggling with it um it's just it doesn't have anything to do with you as a person um but anyway so what made you uh, mm-hmm. seek help then in the end? Um, I actually sought help before. 
I had a psychotherapist uh, and I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think I had two psychotherapists who specialized in like uh, eating disorders uh, with children as well. But it didn't help because we were always just talking about the issues and I didn't see any action steps. And even though one of them like recommended some stuff I could do, it wasn't always something I would be able to do. So mm-hmm. when I was with her, she recommended, for example, me having a bath, which a few years ago, now it's fine. Now I love baths, actually. <laughs> I, I know why I didn't like them because I'm with myself and I feel myself. But before I didn't have a bath, I, I had shower and I was like, okay, but I don't have bath. So what should I do? And I just saw this image of me being in the shower, basically, with the water over me. I was like, this is depressing. This is not what I want. So, or she's like, if it comes up, go to a store. Some girls just go to a store and look around. And I'm like, I am into sustainable fashion. I'm not going into a store and Mm -hmm. look around. So not not on point. So she, she gave me ideas. Um, rather than ask me and having me come up with my solutions. Um, So then one day I was hiking in Slovakia and I was like, I want to stop this. So I was searching for podcasts. I found your podcast and I was like, every every time I listen to one of your episodes, I was like, yes, yes, yes. I know, I know. Yes, yes, yes. This girl makes sense. <laughs> I need her help. So basically, this is how I found you. And what, uh, why I went into coaching is because it was more um, orientated towards future, towards goals, towards actionable steps. And also with uh, towards self-help because I believe even though there are coaches which want you to kind of be dependent on them and still have you as a client I believe that the most powerful change comes when you find the solution for yourself and um, or even if the coach gives you different let's say um, options but you can still choose like you as a person chooses rather than it's interactive you have to do this um so that's when I believe the biggest change comes and I also knew because I truly wanted to stop it I also knew that and made the commitment that this time I won't um make it the other person's business to help me mm-hmm. they will be there to guide me but it's my responsibility to, to help myself because just like you cannot change a person in a relationship like it never works Uh, if everyone just would be honest with themselves it never works Uh, you can only change yourself and be the example so I was like okay I hate this because I will have to work I don't want Mm -hmm. to but I will because I want to recover oh yeah that's really powerful and I have had people I've done consults with people and bless them like there's nothing wrong with them but they realize when they talk Mm -hmm. to me it's like um coaching is future oriented it's goal oriented like I push you to find your own answers and you during coaching like you have that dedicated time to be 100% focused on this what they don't realize is that I don't have any I don't have the magic Mm -hmm. seeker they gotta take that action on their own yeah 
Um, like, and there is a structure to the coaching. Like when you go through the habits, you have the structure, you know that, okay, first you have to stop. You have to change your beliefs, uh, your negative beliefs, body image and all of this. So there is a structure and let's say those key points that should be addressed, but it's different with every single person because mm-hmm. their relationship with themselves is different. Yeah. And you're at different yours. places in your journey too. Mm-hmm. So what was, we worked on a lot of things and I I love that you mentioned like you can't change people because we've definitely had conversations about that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But let's see with recovery, um, because you said before, it was kind of like when you got help, it was just talking about things, but no actionable solutions. Mm -hmm. Um, In recovery, what were kind of some of the first steps that you took? I I mean, we obviously went over a lot of these, but when was the switch? so the key uh, points were definitely the pause before um, binging and purging. Because in the past, I was able to stop myself sometimes during the day if I imagined how would the day unfold if I binged and purged. So either I managed to stop myself um, even several hours before or I just decided, no, this is happening. But pausing before, even if I had the food and just looking at it is suddenly like you coming out of this space back into your body and you suddenly realize, wow, what am I doing? I see the food. What is this? This is not what I want to do. So that was the one of the key uh, key things, like bringing the awareness. And I knew kind of it would be because when I started doing yoga, it was when I started um, slowing down and running away from things and bringing awareness to myself because you slow down. And also there's a science behind it that it switches on different neurons. So I knew that the pause even though it's super uncomfortable, is the key thing. So pausing was, and the awareness was definitely one of the, the issues. And the second biggest one was definitely um, like being the, the responsible person for it. Like knowing that it's still my decision. It's not someone in my brain, some devil in my brain who makes me do it. Um, I might have wrong pathways in my brain because I build them that way, mm-hmm. but I can overcome them and rewrite them. So yeah, taking the responsibility for it was another big one because I think even though if, um, I think even if I were pausing, but not taking the responsibility, I wouldn't have recovered because I would be expecting others to do it for me and kind of maybe try to be sneaky um, and go around it and not do that much work and yeah, just sitting with the emotions and stuff like that. So these were the big ones. And then third one, probably just like feeling, feeling whatever came up, sitting with the discomfort because um, yeah, it just, who wants discomfort? No one. And bulimia is your kind of escape. Uh, So that was a big one. And I think it's so relevant today because during COVID, we see so many 
people being stuck at home uh, and so many issues and mental issues coming up because they never had to slow down. They never had to um, notice things as they do now because you could have changed locations. You could have escaped. You could have gone and see uh, other people. You could have traveled. But now you you are just with yourself and okay, your family and whatever your circumstances are. But yeah, I think when you just stop and slow down and notice yourself and understand that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a huge line. Understand that it's okay not to be okay. And yeah. and I don't think you mean like like near death. <laughs> just just like yeah. the, the feelings that you go mm-hmm. through when you pause, like they're just yeah. uncomfortable. I think what changed for yeah. me is like knowing the worst thing that can happen is a feeling Mm -hmm. and those aren't that bad. And now I just realized one more thing. What was also key is it brings it back to the um, responsibility awareness and feeling the discomfort is that at the beginning, when I wrote um, down my whys, which are also super key, like, why do you want to recover? If you don't know it, why even recover? If you don't Mm -hmm. know your motivation behind So when I visualized um, and created this motivation behind why I want to recover and visualized how my healthy self will be, uh, there was also this harsh truth moment that when I recover, it doesn't mean that my life will suddenly be 100% better. It just means that I will be present there for it. So... It might still mean that I will have down days, that I will have to problem solve, that I will have to, I don't know, deal with my parents, with my job, whatever it is. Um, So I think the awareness of knowing that when I recover, it doesn't mean that suddenly everything will be perfect. What Mm -hmm. will be perfect is probably your relationship with, no, I don't want to say perfect, but better, your relationship with food, with yourself, you'll be more aware and you'll be more equipped to deal with your life but it doesn't mean it will be perfect and I think many people um this is where they fail as well is they realize they may they might recover um but bad days and emotions come over them and they just go back in go back to it because they're like what's the point because life is still hard Mm-hmm. yeah they don't set them, uh, themselves up for that expectation and experience yeah that. and it's interesting because like uh the bulimia recovery coaching we did like part of it was you coming in talking about these issues and then like oh I've been shim purged what do we want to do how do we want to mm-hmm. go through this but a lot of it also was like I'm worrying about work I'm worrying about these mm-hmm. things and like that person telling you beforehand in therapy, just go to the store or go take a bath yeah. without really dealing with the core issue of the fact that you didn't want mm-hmm. to be alone with yourself for a long time. Like it's not, it's not going to work out. <laughs> so yeah, I, and I kind of wanted to circle back a little bit to responsibility. Um, like how did you, because I think for a while when we first started coaching, I, th- I think that's one of the first things I tried to do if I remember correctly to instill like, hey, you have a choice. You always have a mm-hmm. choice no matter what. And like, even if you're gonna binge and purge, remember in that moment that it's your choice. How did you accept that without, I don't know, beating yourself up over it? Um, how did I accept that? 
Well, I just thought back at all the times I binged and purged and just, yeah, just try to see that there was no one else who made me do it. There was no person who made me do it. Even when the thoughts came up. So when I was writing down my thoughts, it was not someone else telling me these thoughts. It They were my, my beliefs. And okay, maybe one person could have said something and it could have triggered some emotion, but it's still my emotion. So um, I think because I've been in it for so long um, and nothing else worked, I knew that probably there is nothing else wrong rather than my choices. And I read a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And the thing that I heard a lot was that nothing changes if nothing changes. And it's so true. Like nothing changes if I don't try something else. Mm -hmm. Um, So taking responsibility was one of those other things that I was willing to try. Um, and it, it's a pattern in my life as well. I see um, that I don't like taking responsibility for some things. Even when I was little and I broke something, I was not able to accept the responsibility for breaking that thing. I was not able to be honest because I was scared that I would, that my parents would be angry. I would be, I don't know, grounded or of the consequences. So it was a pattern in my life. And I thought, and uh, thought to myself that if I ex- accept responsibility in this, it will spiral into other areas of my life. So if I'll accept responsibility for my bulimia, I'll be able to accept responsibility for uh, outcomes in my work. So mm-hmm. if truly I will want to achieve something, it will be possible if I commit to it. So I saw it as a getaway to other areas of my life as well. Um, and potentially to yeah improve other areas of my life. Yeah, yeah. I think taking responsibility also people, well, it's just one of the most empowering things you can do. Cause like when you take responsibility, it's not just for the bad. You can also take responsibility yeah. for all the good outcomes in your life too. And just know that it's always within your power. And I remember yeah. once, I think when you first started getting better at like, cause it wasn't like you started coaching with me and like everything was fine. Like it was a process. Right. Um, but there was one time when you went to see your family and you're mm-hmm. like, well, if I wasn't with them, I would have binged and purged. And, and yeah. I was like, um, I don't know if that's really true because in the past you would have made it happen, but this time you didn't like give yourself mm-hmm. credit where credit's due, right? In the good and yeah. the bad, responsible for yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so responsibility, let me go over it. There are like a million questions. Oh, um, what were some of your whys? Like why, what was compelling mm-hmm. enough for you to recover? Um, my whys were definitely, I wanted to feel physically good. Uh, I wanted my energy back um, because when I binged and purged, I would be uh, fired. My face would be swollen. I would have bad digestion. And I knew the um, physical and health um, outcomes that could happen. And I didn't want them. So definitely health and uh, my well-being were one of them. And also... um, 
to be just another big why was to be able to be present for my life, to enjoy it, uh, not to skip social events. I don't want to skip, but I used to in the past. Like I'm good at saying no because uh, I know how I feel my best. So um, oftentimes I say no to some events if they're late because I just go to sleep early. I'm a grandma and wake up early, but I know that I have to have these boundaries for me to feel uh, feel good. So yeah, big wise well-being, health, um, and overall even achieving my goals in my life because I knew that with bulimia I was not social I was avoiding people I wasn't being my best um with uh, with my business because I could have done more um and I was avoiding a lot of things of that so just being more present and yeah just evolve into a better human being that I knew I I'm capable of being. Yeah. Yeah. Being more present is a huge one that mm-hmm. I, and when you're in it, I didn't really realize how not present I was or that, that it was yeah. the issue. And I think for me, that was a magic part of my recovery is realizing like, oh, I'm using bulimia to not be present and I need to make yeah. a choice whether I want to be there for life or not anymore. Mm-hmm. And I made the choice to be there and then now we're here, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, those are compelling wise. Like the like energy thing is huge. If like anything mm-hmm. else you benefit from bulimia recovery, you get a lot of time and energy and mental clarity yeah. back in your life. So um, for the coaching and recovery in general, like like I said, it wasn't just a, you showed up and then you're suddenly not binging and purging anymore. It took mm-hmm. you um, like a little bit, like everyone, but how did you handle the times when, did you ever doubt the process at any point where you're kind of like, I don't know if this is going to work? <laughs> I, I didn't doubt the process. I doubted me. Okay. But not the process because I knew that like I was aware of the fact that no one can heal me. I can only heal myself. Even when you go to a hospital, only your body can heal you. They can help you with something, but it's still your body who does the work. Mm-hmm. So they, they might just tweak something. So I hope it doesn't sound too woo-woo, but you can only oh, you heal, yeah, you can only heal yourself. So I never doubted the process. I sometimes doubted myself. And that's when I had to go back to my whys and why I want to recover. And maybe why I didn't journal today. And that's why I feel crap or confused. So again, it comes back to the responsibility and having to do the work. And as much uncomfortable it is, and even at times where I didn't maybe have time for that to, for example, journal, I knew I have to do it because otherwise it would end up uh, badly. So yeah, if it means waking up five minutes earlier to journal or staying five minutes later, I would do it. I would even if it was like, I don't want to do it. I had to do it. So it's the responsibility aspect yeah. of it again. Yeah, I love that you said like, I didn't doubt the process, I doubted myself. Most, most of the times it's not what's going on in your life. You just doubt whether you're capable enough to handle it. And yeah. I'm sure you found out through this process, you're stronger than you ever knew. And I think most people just, they're so unwilling to see their potential and their capability. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you yeah. can handle a lot. Humans are very adaptive. Um, yeah. 
And we tend to be either victims or we blame others. So yeah, we just have to step out of these identities of blaming others or circumstances or yeah, being the victim and take the responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for you, like with your eating disorder, there were potentially childhood things or influences Mm -hmm. that may have created that, right? And it's not saying that that was right or justified, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like, this is the situation now, those things happen. And obviously deal with those things, try to make peace with what happened in your own way, but also let's just take actions on what's Mm -hmm. going on now. Like what are your circumstances? How do we move on? Yeah, and it can be hard because some people, like if they heard the same things, maybe they would be completely okay with it. But then I think back to um, when, so I like to study a lot about health. When I look at um, the diseases and how our DNA reacts, we might have a DNA for cancer, but it's not the DNA uh, and the cells they, that created, it's the environment. Mm-hmm. So either it will be triggered or not. And probably I was more prone to being triggered. So let's say I had this bulimia cell and my environment triggered it. So it happened, Um, which was hard to deal with as well, because I was like, well, my brother doesn't have it. And he heard the same things. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, he's a male. So I see it now in his relationship to to his wife how sometimes he says the same same things like my dad says and I'm like no please no your daughter <laughs> cannot see, cannot hear this either so yeah like I can't control what I can't control unfortunately I just have to be at peace with it and a big part of it was accepting that my parents aren't perfect they just did their best um and even though even now I can clash with their opinions either I can express my own opinion or just let it be because otherwise I would be still in it and I would want to change their perception on uh, what should be said to children how food should be talked about uh, in our household those are things I can't change so I can only either inspire them through my actions or just let it let it be yeah right yeah letting it be living by example and understanding that they make their own choices doesn't mean you have to be okay with them but it does mean like you can you can't necessarily change them um and with that being said like well I guess I should add to that um yeah I did the same thing saying like I almost use it sometimes as an excuse too that like oh maybe I'm predisposed to this so I can never mm-hmm. get better but I like that you said like oh, no it's the environment and just because you have it doesn't mean you have to continue with yeah. it right um yeah. so just like I don't know knowing that you're actually your brain is moldable like you can change that that really helped me a lot and helps a lot of people that's why I always say like if you're human you can 100% recover because yeah that's the only yeah, evidence yeah. I I need anymore Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you're born poor it doesn't mean you'll be poor forever you're born rich it doesn't mean once you leave your parents you will be rich mm-hmm. so those are let's say the modern equivalents of what what we are talking about that yeah. help because it's true absolutely um so talk to and I, I think I kind of want to ask you about the body image a little bit but I, I want mm-hmm. to talk about 
how you because before this call we talked about it, it's been about um I don't know three weeks since we talked to each other because you mm-hmm. Natalia is not necessarily a client anymore we worked we started working together in September and now she's been off on her own and to my no surprise she's doing absolutely fine but um how you said you still experience urges right mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. how do you deal with those now I sit uh, so there are different ways either I sit with them uh and I'm okay with just feeling crap uh if it's a bad emotion I as I said I like baths now so I'm having a bath sometimes which is nice uh so yeah sometimes I sit with it or I write it down like why I feel like that and if there's any negative emotion I know how to rewrite it so either I go straight to positive or if it's too hard to believe I go to neutral so yeah there are different let's say ways but when the urge comes I no longer have the identity of a bulimic person so I never go back to it as a possibility that oh yeah that's an option in my head I always switch to no this is not an option and I can deal with this in a different way so yeah yeah I have to have a different identity when when the urge comes and not only when the urge comes like all the time I'm not a bulimic person anymore and I I don't think I even was I was a person with bulimic habits so and bad relationship yeah and bad relationship with myself with my body with uh everything yeah a whole mess (laughs) but (laughs) Uh, yeah but I was still me I just had weird thoughts let's say yeah and um I would like to add to that Natalia is too hard on herself like we all are <laughs> um for a lot of you guys with bulimia out there and I'm sure there there were so many good things going on for you still with bulimia and you were still doing the best you could possibly do with that going on so I I would hate for you I don't think you're doing this, but I hate it when people look back at their life and think like, oh, well, I was just a mess. And it like, maybe it's mm-hmm. true. I mean, I look back to some of the years with bulimia yeah. and I'm like, wow, I was yeah. not very <laughs> functional, but yeah. I still was trying. I still was making it. And I learned yeah. a lot during those years and, um, yeah. you know, you were I, doing what you could. I definitely don't regret it because I think if I didn't go through this, I would probably be on the same path as my parents in terms of like, mindfulness and how they approach the world and how they perceive the world and everything and not that there's anything bad with that they're good people mm-hmm. but to me it's more limited I'm much more thanks to this and thanks to my travels and yoga and I believe that it's all connected because I was always escaping I was escaping to studies abroad I was escaping to uh Bali to recover from leaving my job so I think that if I didn't go through this I would not be so open-minded so aware and even I wouldn't know myself that much because I believe that through this process I went back to let's say my childhood and who I was then it doesn't mean that I didn't change like baby Natalia is not Natalia now but I had certain um, beliefs and values 
that somehow got lost in the process of adulting. Yeah. So I am actually grateful for this process. It doesn't mean that I love every single part of it. Um, there were moments which I definitely feel some guilt and shame for. But overall, I'm super grateful because I think through trauma, eating disorders, mental issues, whatever it is, I believe it comes into our life when we stop being aligned with who we are. So any process like this helps us to go back. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like adding, I've adopted this, but it's kind of like it was meant to happen. And mm -hmm. I think it causes people a lot of shame when they try to de deny reality or think it shouldn't have yeah. happened or, or they wasted time. And it's like, no, you just, yeah. you were just there. It was meant to yeah. happen. You learned from this and you created new identities from this. Like the process is a, a lot yeah. of times your eating disorder can provide so much knowledge to you. And mm -hmm. also the energy you put towards your eating disorder or the things about your eating disorder can make you a really strong person in other ways. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not all bad for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about what I want to talk about. Again, there's so many things. <laughs> I was like looking at my list. <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, body image a little bit. How are you doing on that? I am doing, I'd say great <laughs> Okay. because, um, yeah, like compared to before, I always associated the way I looked uh, to my worth and to, yeah, the ability to be liked and appreciated, which now I definitely don't have. And it doesn't mean that I might not have some, let's say, aesthetical goals, but they're related to how I want to feel and what I want to be capable of doing rather than I need to look this way to be liked, to be successful, to be blah, 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 whatever that is. So I still have some, let's say, performance and aesthetical goals, but they're related to really the way I feel. Um, and I don't care what anyone else thinks about that. So that's a refreshing feeling. <laughs> yeah, you just own what you want and you don't make yeah. it attached to your self-worth or whatever, you kind of love mm -hmm. yourself regardless. Um, and that reminded me kind of a little bit like food. What is your relationship yeah. with food like now? Um, my relationship to food is great. And I think even throughout like, okay, last years of bulimia, my relationship to food was good because I saw it as a way to um, nourish myself, not deprive myself. So I learned that I think mm, rather than, removing I was adding things more healthy things um and me being vegan now like I'm I can eat basically a grass but um so my relationship to food is good what changed is definitely that I don't use food as a tool to deal with my emotions with wanting to be numb when wanting to escape but the view of food is still the same or even I'd say better because I had issues with like desserts um and now I don't have issues with that either so yeah I'd say overall great yeah it's not just like constantly taking up your brain space anymore yeah mm -hmm. yeah and that's a harder I think 
the binging and purging, once you kind of get that down, it's more just the relationship with food and um, emotions as well that uh, like Mm -hmm. people don't understand. Of course, people know it's part of the process, but it's a bigger part of the process than people think. Yeah. Um, And I don't think, um, yeah, what I would just add is it doesn't mean I don't think about food at all. I think one of the mistakes with intuitive eating is that, okay, it means I will never ever think about food and I will eat whatever I want. I always think about how I want to feel. So that's the way I eat. And because I want to be healthy and live super long and be here for a very long time, (laughs) I do consider what I eat. So it doesn't mean I am ignoring food, but it's more about getting the knowledge of the food and making the choices that are associated to the goals I have rather than, yeah, completely abandoning food. And um, yeah, so I think we still have to have some level of awareness with food, even if we are eating intuitively. Yeah, because if you're eating, the food you eat affects you, right? Yeah. And like the quantity affects you, what type of food it is, it all affects you and it affects other environmental factors too, if you want to go that far with it. So um, I think people think intuitive eating means um, throw everything out the window and just eat brownies all day and it's like no it's yeah. just the point that you can eat when you're hungry stop when you're full and yeah. not have food completely consume your life yeah. and yeah. I, I love and that you said oh go ahead I just wanted to say to the point what Rani said uh, with the brownies like I always think to myself and even when I talk with my friends is that like if you want to be the person who doesn't give a damn about how they're energy levels are their uh, fitness levels are how their skin is mood everything uh, gut health yeah maybe you can eat brownies all day but if you as a person tell yourself I will eat intuitively and my goal is to feel this way I believe that okay maybe at the beginning you'll go through the process of oh, I'm maybe eating a little too much chocolate. I'm eating maybe a little too much of this, but eventually you'll get to a point where, where you'll recognize what, full, what food makes you feel good. So eventually you'll be making good choices, but it's still, it still goes back to the fact that you need to know what and why are you doing it. And even you have to have the vision of how you want to be as a person. Because if you don't have the vision and you just don't care, well, then maybe you'll be just eating McDonald's and brownies. Yeah, because there's no good reason not to. And yeah, you said like, I don't use food as a tool to manage my emotions anymore, which is a such a clear distinction. And when you make that switch of like, I can yeah. eat this food, but it's not because I want to feel something different. And yeah. when you when you give up that desire to use abuse food like that, I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it a lot easier to stop eating mid meal and check in with yourself, yeah. and um, not always have the brownie because you know you can have it if you actually want it and it yeah. tastes good. But yeah. you don't really desire to eat brownies all the time. That's why you don't yeah. eat them all the time, which is nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because and, usually it's not about the brownie. Maybe you just need a hack from someone. So let's go for the hack rather than for the brownie. (laughs) Something I've adopted, and I don't think I was telling you this when we were coaching, that I asked like when people are reaching for food unconsciously or they're just wanting to eat more and more food and it's like this 
like salivating events, um, then I, I asked, mm-hmm. I tell them to be like, okay, what do you actually need in that moment? And ask themselves, what do you need other than that food? Because it's not the food, it's something else. And the more and more you can just yeah. get better at that. But people don't want to do that. And they don't know if they'll actually give themselves what they need if they ask for yeah. it. So it's about yeah. building that. All right. Well, you have shared a lot of information. <laughs> Thank you. I would ask one more thing. And uh, if to someone who is going through bulimia right now, you know, mm-hmm. kind of not sure what to do, maybe they're considering getting help. I don't know. What would you tell them? Um, I'd tell them to be kind to themselves, to know that they can recover because if you recovered, if I recovered, I think everyone can recover. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I think when we look back at our stories, we always think, well, this was the worst, like what have I done? Um, so just know that you can recover. There is help. You can always tell someone if you feel safe, safe um, and if you want to. So yeah, and there's no shame in it. Like I think there are so many people who are struggling with this and not just with bulimia, but emotional eating. Mm-hmm. I think if we were uh, to identify um, people in our families or friends who have healthy relationships with food, I think we wouldn't go over one palm of a hand. So yeah, just know that you're not the only one. There is help. You can recover and either try to uh, study about it, learn about it, or just seek help because having a support um and guidance can really speed up uh, your recovery. Yeah, absolutely. It's not it's not guaranteed, but it is very helpful. And yeah. I, I would 100% agree, like you're not the only one. I, I find that um, when I look at, back at my own journey, instead of thinking it was the worst possible thing, I keep telling myself weird things like, oh, you know, you weren't even that bad. And it's like, what are you talking mm-hmm. about? You know, yeah. I just, <laughs> I keep trying to downplay it, which is interesting. Um, That's true. Like, I think we forget the traumas. It's like when a woman who just gave birth cannot even remember giving the birth because it, you just forget the humongous pain you just went through. Mm-hmm. So that's so true. Like in that moment, we feel like I'm dying. But looking back is actually, oh, it's not that bad. And I think that's why many people don't recover because they don't remember how badly they feel when they do that. They just have the craving for the dopamine spike, for the release, for the relief of the stress. But they don't remember how truly badly they felt during purging and after purging. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe writing it down as well. Like whenever we binge and purge and whenever we feel the worst, this can be helpful too. Like when you are thinking about doing it, read what you wrote when you felt your shittest. Because yeah, I think we tend to forget that and downplay it. You could even do like an audio recording of how you feel afterwards. Or um, one of my clients, uh, she's very good about texting me if she has an Mm -hmm. urge to binge and purge for the most part. And the other day she was like, "Um, I'm I'm fantasizing about these cookies. And I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, fantasize, but make the fantasy realistic. So like, Mm -hmm. remember the fun of eating the cookies, but also remember 
what's going to happen. Like you're going to taste the cookies for five seconds. Then it's going to be watching crappy TV while eating tons of cookies. Then you're not even going to enjoy it. And then all this other crap, like just, just like look at it very realistically. Mm -hmm. That's why we have, um, I use that analogy of your, your ex all the time because I'm breaking up with (laughs) bulimia because it's like, there's, yeah, there were some fun times, but then you're forgetting to see all the other reasons Mm -hmm. that you broke up with them in the first place. Like you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, remember bulimia for what it actually is. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, um, do you want to, should I share with them what you're going through right now in terms of the coaching that you're studying? You can. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You can. (laughs) So uh, Natalia is actually, um, I don't know, you know, what she's going to do in the future exactly, but she is finishing up her own coaching certification. So um, I think yeah. she has a mind to help people with this in the future too, which yeah. is very exciting. Which is related to what I said when you're recovering from bulimia, you get to know yourself and it just reminded me um, what is important for me in life. And I always was finding ways how I want to f- help people, the planet, animals, whatsoever. And yeah, this is basically what I found to be my purpose because otherwise I don't think I'd be in bulimia for so long. So there was something hidden as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you get to choose your purpose, you know, it's, it's amazing yeah. that you're doing what you're doing. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show and sharing all that thank information. You. I think it was really insightful and we'll talk to you later guys. Hey, if you like this episode, you have to come check out the Binge Breakers Recovery Course. If you're trying to recover from bulimia and you're sick of doing it alone and you feel like you've tried a lot of traditional therapies and it's not working with you, come join the course. Go to bingebreakers.com slash recovery dash course.